Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Dedicated to Henry Farmer. In the years of the primal fall, from the dawn of terrestrial birth, man mastered the mammoth and horse, man was the lord of the earth. He made him an hollow skin from the heart of a holy tree. He compassed the earth therein, and man was the lord of the sea. He controlled the vigorous steam, he harnessed the lightning for hire, he drove the celestial team, and man was the lord of the Oh, say can you see? Something like that, isn't it? Yeah. Well, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, good whatever, wherever, whomever, however. This is Agitators Anonymous, and this is episode 30. Uh, If you're wondering where episode 29 went, it should be there in your available episodes. Um, It was fired up and ready to go and then I took it out of the chamber it is a more let's say light-hearted look at mental health and the lockdown there's a few serious things in there a few serious comments but overall it's well considering all the things that have been happening this week I thought let's just put it as a bonus and let's flick on to the next channel let's get to episode 30 at this stage I have so many podcasts ready to go half finished quarter finished pages and pages of notes on all sorts of things but the reality is that I couldn't really avoid the American election so obviously if you don't know who I am I'm the singer in a heavy metal band called Primordial and I'll try and not verge into all of these silly accents for the remainder of the podcast even though I do get a lot of messages commending me on my accent ability if you did not know these are the these are the fat Elvis years of my career Um, this is my Vegas residency I am one of those former artists now known as a content creator courtesy of the situation that we are in so 
go to Instagram, Nemthianga underscore primordial, and that's N-E-M-T-H-E-A-N-G-A, which means he of the evil tongue in old Irish. Yeah, you like that one. Patreon is patreon.com slash Alan Averill, two capital A's, if you want to support the show and uh, support my impending medical bills for the madness that is bound to consume me in the year 2021. Is it 2021? Who knew? Who knows? Anyway, so I couldn't really avoid discussing the American election. So let's just get into it. Um, You didn't ask for my opinion about it, but I mean, look, this is the way it is. The next few podcasts are probably going to be a bit serious or at least have some politics in them. And there will be, of course, dumb heavy metal stories and things from my inanities from my past that I'll try and break things up with. But this is kind of the nature of the winter of discontent we're about to live through, that things are a bit serious. So if you know who I am and you know my pedigree, you'll know that I've not shied away from talking about these things in the past. And I also know that there are people who would rather I just didn't, who rather I just wheeled out heavy metal stories. They don't like the idea that a musician is discussing politics. Um, Somehow it's okay for punk, but not usually for heavy metal. Make of that what you will. But here we are, and here I am. And it ain't preaching. It's just examining. If you disagree, you disagree. If you're offended, you're offended. What really happens? Try and contextualize and put that into perspective. But it's unavoidable. Right now, it is the day before I release the podcast. It's early evening in Dublin and still nothing is declared. Nothing is sure. Trump is declaring that he's going to drag this through the courts. The most of the media seems just about to declare a Biden win, but the whole thing is just incredibly precarious, incredibly dangerous and incredibly confusing. To put this into context, the age that I am, I do remember Reagan. So I do remember Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. I don't know if that's a really good impersonation, but I do remember that. And I do remember, of course, Bush Jr., Bush Sr., I remember Clinton, I remember Obama. And this is not the first American election that I've stayed up to watch. In 2016, I watched with a sort of morbid fascination and a sort of mixture of awe at the circus that was unfolding. I couldn't really make sense of it, but this time, maybe it's because of the situation that we're in, we're stuck inside, we're in lockdown, everyone is frustrated and feeling confused in general at what the future, what next year might bring, or the next couple of years, if they're really thinking about it. This particular election filled me with a certain kind of dread. It wasn't the same. It filled me with a certain form of existential dread, which I suppose had been mounting all year. The reality is, in my opinion, I think that the world just needs a fucking break. It's clear to me that we're on a... 10-year cycle of derangement, of hypnosis by social media. And it's at the heart of most of the ills of modern society. It's fracturing us. It's creating an inability to even contemplate concession, consensus or debate in the middle ground. And don't forget, that's what politics is. Politics is originally, um, I suppose, a mechanism created in order 
for people to reach some form of consensus who stand on either sides of the divide. And that, as a process, seems to be broken. And I think it's our, at the heart of that, at the heart of that Luddite, let's call it that Luddite desire to smash the loom is social media. So that's that's the kind of rotten seed at the heart of all of this. And Trump is the, the evil genie that came out of the bottle that we rubbed too many times over the last decade. And it's it's not possible to get him back in the bottle, um, is my rather, I don't know if that's a good analogy or a bad analogy, but they say you get in, they say that you get the politicians you deserve. Um, and if we look at the last 10 years of social media derangement, maybe this is true. But I sense that the world just needs a break. Could be that we just need some quiet time and we certainly don't get that with Trump. But as I woke up to the election, well, I won't even call them results, um, to just this confusing morass of information and statistics, it was clear that the map, the red and the blue map across the United States kind of looks pretty similar like it did four years ago, even though four years ago seems like a world away. Why is that? Many reasons. Let's try and get into it. Let's try and get into it. But I will say off the top that no matter what happens, I don't think Trump is going away, even if he loses. It's clear that this election is so close that, in a sense, Trump can claim victory even in losing and that he will mercilessly troll Biden for the next couple of years. And I don't know if, let's be clear, Biden's mental state is really up for the up for that fight. The Republicans hold the Senate. So maybe, you know, in the last four years of Obama, he was hamstrung by a Republican Senate. So perhaps in conjunction with a powerful figure like Mitch McConnell, who it would seem to me as an outsider from Ireland, just examining and who's always had an interest in American politics, he holds an awful lot of power in the American Senate. And together they will mercilessly troll and place barriers up in front of a Biden administration. <clears throat> I have no real dog in the race. I think Trump is a narcissistic, um, an ugly narcissistic man. And I mean ugly on the inside. And I think he expounds some terrible virtues. Um, I have no reading of Kamala Harris. She seems relatively unreadable and somehow untrustworthy to me. Biden seems like the shadow of a man he would have been 25 years ago when this would have made sense for him. I don't know. The whole thing is an incredible mess. And I do have to say that even, you know, look, if you're listening in America and you're busy throwing a shoe at the stereo, listen, I'm looking, I'm on the outside looking in. But as somebody who spent a lot of time in America in the last 10 years, um, I have something of a purchase of an understanding of the way things are there. And also having toured across the United States, I've been in the middle of the United States. I've been in those flyover counties. I've seen terrible poverty, the, uh, the like of which I've not, I've only seen in Russia, maybe, uh, oddly enough, um, incredible poverty. I've been in those Rust Belt towns that have just literally had nothing, very much like the north of England that just had no input um, and were left behind in this modern tech movement. I've been there. So if you're from California, listen to this and you're, you know, throwing your 
um, uh, I don't know, throwing your yoga mat at the stereo. That would be quite a feat, actually. Um, listen, the chances are I've probably been to more states than you. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, so what's the point? The point is that the point is that a Biden presidency right now on such small margins, um, the media had been talking about prior to this a blue landslide and that this was going to wash the Trump out of our hair, so to speak. But like I said, just looking at the map before I started this, and it looks exactly the same. And what's really strange is that the pandemic doesn't seem to have changed people's minds. It doesn't seem to have been a voter issue, and particularly not for Republicans, which is really strange. I mean, anecdotally, well, not anecdotally, because obviously it couldn't be an anecdote to me, but historically, the Spanish flu back after the First World War didn't seem to have an incredible um, impingement on the politics of the late let's say, you know, 1919, 1920, 21. Of course, demographically, of course it had to have. But by all accounts, the historical accounts say it didn't have that great uh, an impact on the politics of 1919. But sure, what do I know about that? Huh? But one thing is also sure is that the predictions of a blue landslide, this indicates that the poll taking bias is just broken that there is no reliable polls anymore um, the silent Trump voters seems to have been true and in certain areas his vote went up it does seem crazy to me that the whole pandemic situation um, hasn't influenced voters minds I mean this if there was an Irish election next year it would be first in my mind to vote out um, the cabal of fools who seem to be in charge of our um, status as a open prison right now in the end of 2020. But that doesn't seem to have been the biggest thing. And in the first quarter of this year, it seemed the Ameri like the American economy was doing reasonably well. Now you can say to the contrary, but looking at some polls and looking at some political commentators, very much in middle America, there seemed to be a consensus that people felt they were better off than four years ago, um, which is hard to argue with, I suppose, if that um, data is true, those stories are to be believed. But it seems so because Trump seems to have held his numbers in an awful lot of those counties. And I mean, look, I will get to some of the terrible things that have been happening in Europe shortly. You may be going, what are you talking about that for? Why aren't you addressing some of the things that are happening in Europe? And why aren't you telling silly stories about heavy metal? I'm sorry, there's too much to talk about. So let's just stick with this for a minute. Um, I do find one thing incredible, which is the, the, the categorizing of people as low info voters, which is such an incredibly <laughs> patronizing uh, context. Um, basically, what they're saying is, if you're dumb enough to have voted a certain way, you're, well, dumb. Low info voters. Um, and by that, some people on either side of America have been calling those people non-college educated. But you have to realize most of the world isn't college educated. If you've been to a college in Western Europe, you're in a tiny percentage of the world's population. Um, one could say privileged even though I would 
contest that word in the terms that some people mean it. Um, if you just mean non-college educated, well, then maybe you should just say that. But there was no blue wave, no uprising. Um, <clears throat> and what does that say to me? It would suggest to me that the, let's say, the identitarian politics that the Democrats have embraced didn't resonate with most American voters, or at least half of them, um, and that Twitter isn't real life. And there are some very strange numbers which confound or, let's say, back up this theory. I mean, Florida is the big swing state. And in Date County in Florida, which is traditionally very Cuban and Latino, um, this went to Trump and he took Florida because of that, as I understand. And what does that say? Trump seems to have increased his votes with Latinos. So how does that fit into the Black Lives Matter narrative? Does it mean Latinos didn't feel part of this movement? But one thing is for sure, reading a bit into Date County, it's full of Cubans um, who fled Castro with a very anti-communist um, backbone to their community. And they came out to vote against Biden. Does that tell you something about some of the, maybe the rhetoric of the people trying to capture the Democratic Party from the far left? It could do. Maybe they saw it clearer than other people because that's what they fled. Again, complicated. Could it be, could it really be that Trump increased his votes with ethnic minorities in certain places? If this is true and beforehand, as I said, people were predicting this blue landslide, then this really calls into question, I would imagine, or I would say, some of the identity issues that have um, taken hold in society this year, set to the backdrop of incredible frustration, set to the backdrop of lockdown, set to the backdrop of the terrible murder of George Floyd, of course, set to the frustration of being locked down all the time. And of course, the impending unemployment, financial worries, there's so many contributing factors to this boiling undercurrent in society. But yet, if you look at the map of the election right now, sitting here from another country, it sort of looks like the same numbers, which is very confusing. I don't really know what to make of that. Does this mean that for tens of millions of Americans, um, the roller coaster ride that the rest of us feel like we've been on, um, the constant tweeting, the constant emotional poking and pronging and haranguing and the vicious news cycle constantly churning out negativity, does it mean that for tens of millions of Americans, they haven't been at their wits end fighting things out on Twitter? Maybe they haven't been. Maybe they've been quietly going about their business. And that speaks to something very interesting in society. This great divide between, let's call it what it is, the class divide, the working class and the middle class. If we call tech people the middle class, which they rightfully are, and the working class the non-tech, the old legacy systems, the new legacy systems, maybe that's the divide. Because if you haven't been living your life at the end of a screen, maybe... The last four years hasn't seemed like a white knuckle ride. I don't know. It's very, very hard 
to tell and very, very hard to discern the difference. But it seems that for some people that this is their reality. And this speaks to, I suppose, my theory at the beginning of the podcast that we are in a cycle of social media derangement. So it would make sense. It would stand to reason that if you aren't living your life like that, then you may not be quite as deranged. I don't know. Could that be true? So rather than a landslide that forced Trump spectacularly from office, it looks like they have to inch him out of office and he's going to fight tooth and nail and bring this through the courts. I don't really know if that's um, I don't really know if that's has precedent. As I understand it, there was Jefferson Hamilton in 1876, and that was a contested election um, with an impasse. And this was a November election that didn't have uh, someone declared until March. And even in the days leading up to the um, inauguration in March, there was an impasse amongst the, uh, what is the word? Grandees. This is a word I didn't know before today. The grandees declared they sat down opposite each other and managed to come to some form of consensus. And Jefferson took office. Um, so what does that mean? Is the, the Electoral College in that sense, which we in Europe find very hard to understand, um, which originally designed, I suppose, to keep the checks and balances on the bigger city states, um, as I understand it. But so there is precedent for this level of impasse. But that was back in the day when both sides, I suppose, spoke to each other or at the very least were willing to reach some form of concession, which I don't imagine Trump will even consider for a moment. And so the world is just going to be dragged through his Twitter feed once again for the foreseeable future. And like I said, it feels like the world could just do it some real quiet time. I think both candidates are a horror um, on different levels. Um, one in a sort of weekend at Bernie's type way that if that's the best the Democrats could do, well then shame on them. It just seems incredibly um, reprehensible to not somehow find a better candidate. Like I said, again, if you're in America and you're flinging something at the stereo, this is just my opinion. You're entitled to yours, of course. So there was a historical precedent, but it hasn't been since another century, another time. Um, so what does this mean? This means that they can't, the age of Trump isn't going to be it's not going to go quietly into the night, that's for sure. He's not going to be triumphantly forced out of office. And I think that even if he does lose, on some level he can claim the moral victory, or will at least claim the moral victory. The numbers are so small considering what was predicted. It seems that that's his that's going to be what he does now for the next however many years. What he does after, what he does after potentially losing. Um, I mean, like I said, I, he's not going to go quietly into the night. Uh, and also, we have to consider that his Supreme Court nominee maybe now takes on a different complexion if this is going to go to the Supreme Court. Um, I don't really understand entirely the Supreme Court process. 
But I do understand that the Republicans seem to have more of their people in it. So are they going to be partisan to Trump? And and once those people are in, they seem to be in for a long, long time. Um, On the face of it, I had the impression that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was much fated by, it would seem, everyone, um, was there for 40 or 50 years. But taking a look at it, it was uh, 27 years and she was nominated by Bill Clinton. I don't know what that speaks to or how that speaks to the situation with this new woman, Amy Coney Barrett, I think, off the top of my head. Could be wrong um, how it speaks to that. But I have no idea whether they, I presume they are somewhat partisan. But maybe this might just be a step too far. I wonder when some form of patriotism kicks in towards the republic. Maybe it just is a step too far to drag the presidential nomination through the courts and have America literally living in purgatory for who knows, weeks, months. I mean, I know for a couple of years ago, Belgium didn't have a government for nine or 12 months. And the institutions of the Belgian state ran itself, it would seem. Um, You've got Valonia in the south and Flanders in the north, and they're relatively independent from each other, which is quite incredible. Different languages, different newspapers, different, I suppose, cultures, traditions, etc., etc. But somehow the state held together during those terms. Belgium, of course, is a bad case example because it's a tiny, tiny country. But I don't know. Does America govern itself while this just drags on and on and on? Or does it descend into chaos? Hopefully not. Um, This is the nightmare scenario where this just drags on and on and on. So, from the outside, yeah, it looks, like I said, the complexion before in 2016 was something that we viewed with awed, uh, a sort of morbid amazement to what was really happening. That this, this WWE... Uh, this wrestling commentator who happened to have a show called The Apprentice, which I never saw, which wasn't popular over here, uh, managed to ascend to the White House, considering the previous guy was the was a cool statesman. Um, Obama was a cool statesman. He visited Ireland, had a pint with the locals and seemed all smiles and had a huge crowd here in Ireland to see him. And he spoke eloquently and plainly and yeah people loved him people loved him here he seemed to instill a calm that the world could do with now I remember back when the Iraq war started tensions were so high in Ireland um, hundreds of thousands of people came out to protest against the Iraq war a million people in London it still went ahead of course Uh, that's Tony Blair I guess you could probably thank for that Um, and the repeated mantra of the WMDs and anyway During that George Bush junior years, there was an element of rancor in the streets towards Americans who were visiting Ireland. There was anecdotally stories of people being spat at in the streets for uh, asking for directions with an American accent. Um, And Americans dutifully apologized for their president, apologized for his dumbness, apologized for many, many things. You can go back and watch any watch any American stand-up comedian of the 1990s and early 2000s and they'll say the same thing. Then, of course, you have September 11th and 
this kind of changed the tone, changed the tone. But people here were um, aggressively uh, against the Iraq war. I'm not so sure if that war was declared now, people would be that bothered. I have a feeling that modern generations are far less likely to come out in the streets and protest against anything as structural as a war like that. They'll come out to demonstrate, I think, more on an identity basis. But to ask them to come out for something like that, I'm not so sure about it. I think it's going to be the the 40 pluses who have to demonstrate against those things. But how we mocked George Bush Jr. And to go back a bit further, we had cool Clinton, um, who then turned out to be, well, what he turned out to be. If you've been living under a rock, then you'll have seen those accusations. And yet the Democrats gave us Hillary the last time around. But yeah, I'm old enough to remember Reagan. And looking back for the last couple of weeks, I've been watching a great documentary series by the comedian Rich Hall um, about he was very popular in the 80s and 90s. He's a kind of wily, wizened old, um, rough-looking Southern guy. And he tells the stories of the American West and the American South. And he does a very great show about um, the presidential elections and debates throughout the 20th century. Um, all, you know, Lyndon Johnson and Eisenhower and Roosevelt and a lot of the people that you forget. But even on in those documentaries, you get glimpses of Reagan making a speech and um, how that level of eloquence, even with a Ronald Reagan, was just missing from that first presidential debate. You shut up. You shut up. Just the level to which American democracy had sunk. And no doubt some people listening to this, their hearts will sink as well because um, a weakened crazy basket case America is bad for the West. It's bad for us. There was a stasis in the world when there were, I suppose you could call it, the great powers kept each other in check and we all lived in the gravity field between. And if one of those stars implodes or one of those planets implodes, um, things could be very different and difficult in the West. Don't forget that after the Second World War, most of Europe was behind the Iron Curtain. Most of you have Germany as the DDR, you have most of Europe didn't get the Marshall Plan. And it certainly didn't um, feel free, I imagine, after 1945, because it had 40, 54 m more years of occupation at the hands of the Soviets. So. But that was, at the same time, Europe was like a sort of moral ba uh, battleground for the emergence of those two powers after the Second World War. If you think now that a fractured, disunited United States is going to be good for you sitting in Europe, you have an, another thing coming, I think, because the fact is that both China and Russia are rubbing their hands with glee at this craziness that's going on. And this isn't good for you, believe you, me. Well, I mean, you might disagree. I don't know. That's okay. Do. Do so. You can stick it in your own podcast. So what are we, what's going to happen now? We're going to get, I think what we might get is a creeping Biden win just about. Battered and bruised might crawl over the line. 
and Trump from outside the ring is just going to be flinging chairs in and flinging this in and flinging that in and whipping up the crowd from the outside. And that is that is a complicated and dark future considering the world that we're potentially moving into next year where an unstable basket case America a whole heap of madness going on upstairs just screaming and shouting it's going to be really really trying and testing I mean people make assumptions about what they think my politics are and you know what as I said before in the few previous podcasts people are nuanced you shouldn't there are so many reasons why people arrive at a political ideal or an opinion it's everything from your early childhood what your parents believed where you're from culturally geographically there's so many reasons why and to just try and boil that down to one black and white polarity is again part of the problem because people are nuanced and so if you're listening to this thinking to yourself what the hell is he doing he should stay in his lane yeah well that's all right maybe so maybe so but like i said I remain unclaimed by either side. I'm just on the outside looking in. It doesn't always make sense at all. But as somebody who's always been interested in politics, um, it's riven through the music. It's in all the lyrics. Vaguely hinted at. It's more the history of politics, essentially, that I'm also interested in. But certainly in the context of the great statesmanship that's involved in American politics. Just go back and read the Declaration of Independence. It's a quite beautiful document. So short and succinct and tightly worded, but also open-ended for open-ended with a certain element of humanity that um, maybe some of you have never read it. I would advise going back to look at it. But certainly the last four years of Trump have been something of a disgrace to its to its meaning, to its worthiness. Um, that states the statesmanship of American politics could be reduced to two septuagenarian men of failing mental health shouting at each other to shut up um, is both depressing and a brutally real wake-up call for us in our modern society in that as I said we are supposed to get the we're supposed to get the politicians we deserve. And realistically, if you've been pouring your whole life into the algorithm of social media for the last 10 years, then like I said, this is the evil genie that comes out of the bottle because there's no other way we get anything. Well, there is another way we get something else or somebody else, of course. But what I'm trying to say is that the derangement that it's caused, the irreparable damage that it's caused society's ability to even speak to each other this is what you get. And it feels awful to say that. It fills me with no great delight in saying that at all. Delight, yeah. Certainly not delight. It is a, it's an existential horror to say so. Um, so, all we can do right now is, I suppose, sit and wait. Maybe this is why they plunged us into the deep freeze of the winter of discontent lockdown so we could all pull up our pews and take a front row seat and just watch the um watch the wrestling from the front row anecdotally i didn't like wrestling when i was a kid um i think i was born old but for some reason i found it kind of eh, 
Didn't really enjoy it. Didn't really like it. I know who The Undertaker is. And I don't really know that many others. Who's The Undertaker in this scenario? Is it Biden? Biden's got to be The Undertaker, hasn't he? What does that make Trump? The Macho Man? Randy Savage? That's it. That's the other guy. The kind of cocaine-fueled guy with the ski glasses on. They're the only, maybe the only two I remember. So let's have them as the two totems of our present presidential struggle. Anyway, which is ironic, seeing as in reality, Trump behaves like a 12-year-old boy, I suppose, anyway. But there you go. So let's have that. It's the Macho Man versus The Undertaker. Maybe, maybe. So to all my friends and companions and even people who mildly dislike me over in the States, my thoughts are with you, most definitely. See if you can hang in there and keep your keep your sanity, keep your republic together. I mean, do you really want to agree with all of the artists that you like? I think this is a very modern phenomenon. I mean, I love Trouble. Didn't make me want to become a Christian. For example, if you don't know who Trouble is, it's just an old Christian heavy metal band. Not really the point, but do you think you would agree with all of, I don't know, John Lennon's politics, Ian Curtis's politics? Do you agree with Morrissey's politics? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Doesn't stop the Smiths, does it? Like I said, it's a very modern phenomenon that we feel that everything has to replicate our worldview. And it's quite simply untrue. It's not the way we should look at art, artists, piss artists even, whatever you want to call me. Anyway, like I said, we have to be sometimes, I think, confronted with opinions that we don't wish to hear or opinions that confront our worldview or make us reconsider because these are the these are the building blocks I say, these are the building blocks of our society the ability to reach rational consensus empiricism debate and to have conversations and that's one of the reasons why we're in this terrible state that we're in it's one of the reasons why the evil genie of Trump is out of the bottle, because social media has destroyed our ability to be able to have those conversations, because all it all it will be is for someone to look for a headline within my podcast and then try and try and win, try and bring you down, try and cancel you, whatever. And those aren't those the kind of traits that embody the worst tropes of a of a Trump they're the worst things that we see in him coming to the bubbling up to the surface in ourselves and it's our inability to consider freedom of speech is one of the building blocks of western of western society of a secular civilized society and until there's such time as they break down the door and come to take me off to that struggle session. I mean, if you don't know what a struggle session is, you should Google that. That's a pretty grim thing as well. Um, then let's just keep talking about some of these things. And it seems to be a really dark time right now. I will try and introduce some levity to the situation by maybe regaling you with a few dumb stories. And if you did listen to the last podcast, this is a podcast not without hope and a little frivolity and my usual 
lapsing into ridiculous accents and all that kind of thing. Um, so that was the end of episode 30. Um, apologies if it cast a little bit of a poll, a little poll, a little poll over your bearer, pole bearer. That's a wrestler, isn't it? Pole bearer. Seems to ring a bell. Hmm. Anyway, probably is. Could be. If it isn't, it should be. I presume he would have been the assistant to The Undertaker. Who would that be then? Hmm. Interesting. Send your answers in on a postcard and let me know. Well, my friends, that is episode 30. I can't really believe I've got to 30 episodes so far. But I thank you all for your subscriptions. If you think you know somebody who would like the podcast, please share it with them because that's how this grows. Peer-to-peer sharing. Numbers are good. Patreon.com, Alan Averill. Instagram, Nanthianga underscore Primordial. Today on Bandcamp, um, Bandcamp have waived the rights or waived the uh, fee. So Dread Sovereign and Primordial, go to the Bandcamps, buy something. Um, maybe I'll have enough money to buy a pint in 2024 when some things might reopen. Who knows? Anyway, episode 30, thank you very much. Don't take me that seriously, my friends. And step back from that ledge, my friend. Yep, it's been a while since I've done some singing. All right, my friends, metal never bends. Agitators Anonymous. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.